This is the Jerry Callahan Podcast. Can we just just take a moment? Can I just, I don't, and I want to talk. I just, yeah. I just want to take a moment to, to, to drink you in. Here's Jerry Callahan. We good? We good? We're good. Well, let me be the first to say, uh, at least on behalf of the Callahan Podcast, it's so nice to have decency and dignity back in the White House. And it's so, so nice to get uh, hard-hitting reports like we got yesterday about Joe Biden's socks. He had funny little socks with with with, with puppy dogs on them, and it's so great to have a new um, a new cabinet who are like the Avengers. That's what I heard yesterday on MSNBC. They're like superheroes. I always thought of John Kerry as a superhero. Strange times in Washington. Alyssa Milano wants to uh, reach out, uh, uh, offer an olive branch to all the people she's been calling subhuman for the last six months. Speaking of subhuman, Pete Davidson is going to play um, Jimmy Stewart in a remake of It's a Wonderful Life. Could be the single worst idea ever to come out of Hollywood. Um, Stephen Colbert, he's smitten. He just wants to drink Barack Obama in. We'll play the song from this pathetic child, alleged comedian. Uh, Shannon Sharp, he's got a problem with Tom. He's got a couple of problems with Tom Brady. And, uh, you know, if Shannon Sharp is your uh, most vocal enemy, you're doing okay. If you're, if the biggest criticism to have for you is you didn't run over and shake hands. Well, Tom, I guess you're doing okay, but uh, we'll get into all that on the Callahan Podcast brought to you today by DCU. Do you love your car but hate your car payment? No problem. Refinance your car today with DCU, and they could help lower your monthly payment, lower your interest rate, or both. Applying is easy, and their loan experts will help you find the loan term and the payment that fits into your budget. Get out of that high-rate loan and get the interest rate and the payment you deserve from DCU. Learn more and apply today at dcu.org slash refinance. Insured by NCUA. Membership required. All right, Cullen ANC, it's the day before Thanksgiving, and uh, we got we got a special uh, guest, a a new co-host. What's the last time we had a new co-host? Two, two radio cast-offs. I at least went out. I at least went out on my own terms. You two, you two jamokes over here. Uh, you know, I, I guess I guess I got the class of the group of the, of the trio. I got the class. Yes, form another another radio reject. VB is here, um, which is a surprise to me because uh, when you were on the radio, you were doing okay. VB, I saw the ratings, man. You were you were doing all right, and uh, but here you are. And it's good to have you. What's COVID on? affects us all, Jerry Callahan. It's Our good COVID, to be here. COVID casualty. Yeah. Well, what can you do? By the way, the first radio job you ever had, I produced that day. You forget. We go back away, me and you. Cullinane used to produce me. And every day at the end of that show, he'd give me one of these. Hat off. <laughs> just like that. He wouldn't say anything. No, he never does. You yeah, working with you, you just run for the door. That's what you, that's what you do. He <laughs> just tries to get by, isn't it? I mean, Colonel's been doing this with me for almost a year, and he's never once said, oh, that was a good idea, or that was a, that oh. was a good segment, or good show, or, or even know, even bad show. He just wants to get by and then get back to his uh, playing the hits or whatever the hell he's doing. <laughs> well, we used to take, we used to take calls, Jerry, and the only thing Cullinane ever added to the show was there was a guy named Jim from Dorchester would call him periodically, and Cullinane thought it was really cool to go, Jimbo, and he'd roll back. We weren't streaming or anything. He'd go, Jimbo. And you, I got the feeling like he used to practice his Jimbos so he could deliver them different each day. And, that was, and at the end, he'd be like, yeah, I nailed the Jimbo today. 
What is I happening? Was. I'm the hardest working guy you'll ever meet. What is <laughs> happening right now? You guys just just back, just back uh, Biden. All right, go back to the he's go back. So to the he's got a point and there. Yeah. He's, he's just so odd. And, uh, <laughs> you know. The guy doesn't eat either. He doesn't eat anything. I used he to make oatmeal. I put in two packets. What time did you get up today, Colin? Three o'clock in the morning. Yeah, no, I'll never. I don't even want to talk about it because it's so weird. Why do you get up at three when you don't have to? Because two working parents at home with kids during COVID is messed up. We talked. We were talking about kids before we started here. This is how I have to adjust my day to get work done. I have to be in the office at four o'clock. Well, but what? It's dark out. It, yeah. It's. I mean, does your alarm go off and you pop out of bed? Why don't you say I'll I'll stay in here till four? Who you needs know? an alarm? Who needs it when you got drive and you're a guy like me? Who needs an alarm? You just get up and you go. But I see what you get up for. You get up to play the hits for. No, for- that's two hours after I'm in the office. That's my coffee. <laughs> that's my coffee break. Uh, Calm down over there, right? He's so By the strange. way, Jerry, speaking of getting up early, I actually had to wet the hair and I put in some color. I'm hoping it doesn't run because yeah, I yeah, wanted to look good for this you, one. Yeah, <laughs> you look you look better than Rudy. Anybody, everybody looks better than Rudy. Uh, speaking of which, where where do you? I know you're a you're a moderate, which I mean I like you and all, but that's pathetic. You're a moderate <laughs> uh, VB, but I think we're still going to get some. I don't know about bombshells, but we're going to still get some. Uh, would be little uh, small explosions from the uh, Trump legal team, from the both Trump legal teams. It's going to be fun because they're not going to overturn the election. That's not the goal. My goal now is to uh, uh, to tarnish, to put an asterisk next to Joe Biden. He is not legitimate. I am hoping we start an impeachment process any day now. I'm hoping we get a special counsel. I'm hoping, I mean, we don't need, it's not like they have to make it up out of thin air. They can just do China. We could just investigate Joe Biden, Jim Biden, Hunter Biden's ties to China and go from there. I say we'll spend maybe not four years, maybe three and a half years investigating. Are you in? Uh, Well, whether you're in or not, you're not getting that, as you well know. What I hope is that over the next month, for example, you saw Bill Barr ordered the execution of three people that have been on death row for 20 years last night. And Slate magazine said, oh, my God, it's an execution feast. Like, (laughs) hey. Who thinks these guys that murdered eight people and three people and tortured a two-year-old should be on the face of the earth? I mean, finally, someone in there has got some stones to actually carry out the law, and the left still is hyperventilating about it. Right. The, 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 Slate Magazine called it an execution spree, as if yeah. there's something wrong with that. It's all This is the way it always works. They executed that guy last week, and, and all the usual uh, you know, websites and Twitter accounts were saying, oh, a black man who was convicted by an all-white jury. Well, he, he also killed a black girl, raped her, beat her with a shovel, doused her with gasoline, and buried her alive. But her name isn't even mentioned in these stories, let alone the, uh, the disgusting details of the way she died. The world is better off without that individual. That's a great thing. I hope he does. I hope he has an execution spree and a pardon spree. That's his right. You know, it's it's constitutional. You can pardon whoever you want, starting with General Flynn. Um, well, I don't think, you expect that to happen? I, I think the final happen, the right? final few weeks of Donald J. Trump are going to be fascinating, and I don't ever expect him. He's going to be like Tom Brady. He is walking off the field without shaking hands, and he should. <laughs> the idea 
the idea that he should sit and and go to the first of all go to the inauguration which he shouldn't do or write a little note you know like jeff jacoby from the globe wants him to write a little note to the guy who tried to undermine his administration before he even took office to the guy who said let's frame general flynn with the logan act that guy the the the, the contemptible joe biden you're supposed to write a note and wish him well um, if you're if you're Donald Trump, you don't wish him well. You wish him the worst. He's he's not a good guy. He didn't win this one, one on the level. We all know that. I hate to JJ Watt you here, but Callahan, I want that note. I got the notepad right here, and I'll tell you what he should write, and he should put it in there. Is don't spy on me while you're in office like you did the last time. Signed DJT. There's an opportunity with the note to make history and to troll. I fully expect that he's going to do it. It's not going to be a, hey, good luck with Iran or keep an eye on Kim Jong-un for me. It's going to be something personal, cutting, and way below the belt. And you're going to love it. You're going to oh. talk about it for like three straight podcasts. Now, You'll that say. would be okay. Did you um, do you remember Joe Morgan uh, got fired as Red Sox manager by Lou, Lou Gorman? He was doing well. He was a terrific guy and a good manager and they fired him for butch hobson butch hobson who nice guy but absolutely clueless clueless i can't even begin to tell you how out to lunch he was when he became manager. <laughs> i got stories but we don't have to do it today well you gotta and, do the one you're gonna do the one but Hobson. remember when he got caught mailing was it cocaine or some sort of drugs he got caught mailing them to himself and so the report it might have been you some reporter said to him butch you want to comment on it? He said, how can you ask me about that i'm about to talk about the lord Remember he did that whole speech? <laughs> typical, <laughs> typical Red Sox employee, completely full of it. But um, uh, no, I'll save it. I got, I got, I got a funny butch Hobson, but I'll save it. We, um, so he gets the job. Joe Morgan gets fired. It was, it was ridiculous. And Morgan's last words were before he left the ballpark was people are going to find out this team's not as good as they think it is. You know, he had men coached them up and they weren't when they had, Clell Laverne Hobson as manager. They they were terrible. That's what he should say. You know, things aren't as good as you think. Donald Donald Trump should say that. And they're not. I think once you get a hack like Biden in and this team of, of, of swamp creatures he's named to the cabinet. Oh, I'm sorry. This team of superheroes who took over yesterday uh, introduces the cabinet who, uh, according to Martha Raddatz, they're not really po- political. They're not really politicians. <laughs> Joe, I mean, John Perry is yeah. not political John Perry, the 77 year old uh wax figure with the face falling off is 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 our new climate czar i feel the youthful energy already but so, i think what trump, trump could do he, he could he could undo his best to undermine biden legally i mean he doesn't have to use the you know fbi and violate the constitution the way biden and and hillary and, and obama did but he can do what he does best he can hold rallies and I think he should hold a rally the day of the inauguration, like you know, like two miles down the street in D.C., and get 30,000 people to show up and talk about how they stole the election and talk about how the, the media, the media uh, carried Joe Biden over the finish line. We know that. That's quite clear. There's, did, did you see the survey um, from uh, MRC, Media Research, did a survey 17% of Biden voters said they might not have voted for him if they knew about, you name it, about about uh, uh, the, the China scandal or if they knew the plan Joe Biden had for, uh, you know, the climate change blowing, you know, $2 billion, $2 trillion on climate change. If they knew the kind of people that he was going to name to the Supreme Court, if they knew more about him, they would be less likely to vote for him. 
That's 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 why Trump kept saying, "Why is he in the basement?" He knew the less right, they right. knew about him, the better it was going to be. It was good strategy by them, frankly. Correct. On the note he, let, thing. he let the media campaign for him, and they did. Yeah. They, they they lied about him for months and months, and he hit out. It was it was. You're right. It was the right strategy. Well, you also and you also have Facebook, Twitter censoring these right. stories. Right. There was an article yesterday, I think, in the in the Times, and it was talking about how. Facebook changed their algorithm to determine to, to basically give priority to people of what they deem to be acceptable journalism. I don't know if you I don't know if you saw this yesterday. So there's just you know they, they never did that before, and now you know they'd rate they'd rate publications, but they'd never change the algorithm on its behalf. They did during the election. They admitted that it, it, it's sickening that people um, that aren't outraged by this. Hell, liberals want more censorship. That's the mo- most insane thing. That, that is that is that we learned in, in these throughout this campaign is that it wasn't enough censorship for liberals for, you know for your typical you know New York Times or, or MSNBC and CNN they want more of it they want more involvement from Jack Dorsey and, and Mark Zuckerberg less free speech because they know those guys are on their side it's and you've you you know as well as I do there are certain old school liberals like Glenn Greenwald and Matt Taibbi and these guys saying this is insane. We are insane. We are asking for censorship from big tech. And and look what we got. We got, you know, the well, guy won. Big tech's guy won. They're they're in control now. They're thrilled. Silicon Valley won. Let Trump me bring won. a little bit of happiness into your otherwise cloudy day, Jerry. Number one on the note, what Trump's going to write is, I'll write this wrong in 2024. Get some sleep, Joe. You'll need it. It's going to be something like that. Trust me. And you're going to love it. He watches the Callahan podcast. There you go, Mr. President. That's the note you're right now. As to the Biden cabinet and all this stuff, if nothing else, Jerry, we've all had a pretty crappy 2020, right? right. You know who's had the worst 2020 and it ought to bring you tremendous joy? The worst 2020. Um, yeah. Anyone who owns a restaurant, I would no, say. Well, oh, okay. But him. that aside, Small imagine people. Imagine you decide you want a job and you stated publicly, I would like to be the president and you run and you lose, even though you thought you'd carved out a path and you thought you were smarter than everybody and you thought you knew the angle and you thought you had it. And not only do you lose, but you get beat by an 80 year old guy from Vermont. Okay. That's what number one. Then something that you consider to be beneath you, you have to grovel to somebody that you don't respect and say, Hey, I wouldn't mind being the vice president. And that person has the, the then almost 78-year-old guy goes, yeah, that's nice, but you're not going to be vice president. So then you have to go to that person and say, fine, be I'll be the treasurer. <laughs> and the guy says, I don't think so. And you end up with the job that you've publicly announced from the day you got it you don't want, which is U.S. Senate. If you're Elizabeth Warren, 2020 has really sucked. And that I can see that smile percolating, Jerry. I know you, you forget, don't like you, you forget the best part, VB. You run in your alleged home state. Uh, you have the globe carrying your water for you. Much of the media carrying your water. You finish third. You finished third. That's where it all ended. When, when, and when now you're going to live with a dog. And the only reason you have the dog is because you thought the White House staff was going to take care of it. Oh, now you got to clean up poop. You didn't want oh, in the first place. Oh, please. She killed that dog like three months ago. She just she went up the you know uh, out to the Berkshires and said, you're free and let it go. You think there's any use for that dog? I mean, uh, her whole life, as we know, is a lie. And now she is so irrelevant. She... And I say this all the time. Um, I mean, you can't pick a vice president and when, when he was evaluating 
um, when that person can't win their home state, not that their home state mattered, but you look at it and you say, boy, the people who know her best like her least. She is a creation of the Boston Globe. If it weren't for the infatuation the Globe had with Liz Warren, she would never made it two days in politics. We know that people can't stand her. They don't, they don't want to look at her every day, and, and they don't have to now, except in, in Massachusetts. The rest of the country just rejected her out of hand. You got me there. That is a good thing. Well, not only that, Jerry, remember, there are things that were supposed to happen along the way that she could at least hang her hat on. One is she was going to frame over her office mantle. The New York Times endorsed me. But for some reason, this woman from Minnesota wouldn't get out of the race. Right. And so even had to share the endorsement. And if you think she didn't crumble that up and go, damn it, I guarantee you that stuck in her craw. And she's still bitter at Klobuchar for that. You're forgetting one thing that she has going for. One bragging rights she owns is she was more popular than uh, Kamala Harris. People like Liz Warren more than Kamala Harris. At least but that's the beauty of it. Liz made it to the primaries. Kamala didn't even make it out of 2019. She was, again, rejected by everybody. I, I say this all the time, but before Kamala quit, I think one of the reasons she quit is there was a poll among black voters. She finished fourth. She finished behind Biden, Bernie, two, you know, 80-year-old cranks, and Liz Warren. Liz Warren was more popular among black Democrats than Kamala Harris. We forget that because. But Jerry, you know, you're young, like young. She's, you know, she's, she's, she's got a pulse, unlike the guy at the top of the ticket. But no one likes Kamala Harris. No, except Willie Brown. Nobody likes her. She's going to be president and she's and people are just going to cringe every time. And that's the reminder that Warren's going to get every single day as she's clicking the light on and off like in Fatal Attraction. Like it should have been me. And she has these rational thoughts that sort of explain why it should have been. But the good news is it wasn't. It isn't. And she has to live with it. And by the way, this is the woman who famously said over and over again, I have a plan. But every single plan she had backfired on her. And the one plan she didn't have was to continue to be in the United States Senate. And that's where they've relegated her to so far. Anyway, maybe they offered her the Kerry Climate Czar job. I don't know. Kemi, Kerry Climate. Let's get to that because I, I laughed out loud when this, when, I mean, not the whole cabinet because I didn't know all these guys, but they're all hacks. They're all swamp creatures. They're all just establishment guys. All these, you know, revolutionaries like AOC and Rashida Tlaib and my congressperson, Ayanna Presley, who could be the worst, they were ready to fundamentally change America when they went out there fighting for Biden-Harris. Biden gets in and just loses their number. I mean, he just, you know, he brings in all the same swamp creatures, including uh, John Kerry, who, like, is he ever going to go away? He's almost 77. He's it, no one like speaking of no one like no one wants to look at him. No one wants to listen to him. He was a terrible secretary of state. And now he's in charge of the climate. And as we talked about yesterday, I talked about with the turtle boy yesterday. We know he doesn't really believe what he says. We know it. We know he has a $12 million mansion on the water. We know he flies around in private jets and has uh, you know, SUVs and doesn't give a damn about the climate. Does not uh, walk the walk at all. And we're going to get lectured by that phony? Who's buying that? 
Well, one of the reasons why I love that this happened is that it gets us to remember some of the great John Kerryisms. So you said he has SUVs, but remember, Jerry, when he was called on that in 2004 when he ran for president, how can you have that big SUV? Do you remember what he said? Actually, that's the wife's. <laughs> and he threw her right under the bus. And right. somehow that means, oh, well, I guess you still are a climate guy because it's your wife's SUV. But that's literally what he said. And that's the kind of phoniness that you're going to get for four years. He actually might be kind of fun to have around, Jerry, because he's going to do stupid stuff like that over and over again. And he's going to be Mr. Pompous while he does it. Well, as Tom Cotton said, he gets to do what he really wants to do, which is fly around in private jets and stay in luxury hotels in Central Europe. That's what John Kerry wants to do and waste American taxpayer dollars, which is what the uh, climate... Paris Accord is all about it's pissing away hundreds of millions of mass t- uh, of, of American taxpayer dollars. We're going to get busy doing that again. All right. Today's episode brought to you by Flagship Wealth. With me, as always, is Dave McDonough. Dave, we're watching CNBC right now. The Treasury Secretary is on TV talking markets. You tell me what's going on. You know, we're going to talk vaccines, Dave. We have the best month performance-wise since 1987. Again, positive news. But investors out there have short-term memories. They forget, Dave, just nine short months ago. The market was down 30%. So the market has given people a gift. And what we always say on this blog is take control of your retirement before the market can take control of it for you. And I have the gift in my hands. You do. People can get it. Flagshipwealth.com slash retirement. We're back. We're giving away managing your money in retirement. We gave away thousands months ago, but we're going to offer it again because people keep checking in with you after the election. They're checking in. They want a review of their portfolio. Start with this guide, managing your money in retirement. Go to flagshipwealth.com slash retirement. Again, the market has given you a gift. It's given you your portfolio back. Take control of that portfolio before the market takes it back from you. Call me Davy Claus. Go to flagshipwealth.com slash retirement. Get your hands on managing your money in retirement. Dave McDonough, thank you very much. We'll see you next week. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA, SIPC. Here's what I'm going to struggle with, VB. I got to be honest. I'm going to struggle with the media. Now, we know there's no actual media. The media is a as an arm of the PR wing of the Democrat party of the Biden campaign. And despite the fact that they picked all these swamp creeps so far for, uh, for these cabinet posts, uh, the media is in full smitten mode swooning already. Um, I, I mentioned the, the report from the, um, uh, from the Bloomberg reporter about Joe Biden's socks. You think if you were, <laughs> You think if you were a comedian, I'm a comedian, a reporter, you think you'd wait a few days before you really literally got down on your knees and started, you know, filleting the man? You think you would wait? Uh, Jerry, you know how that works, by the way. You've been there, which is so Biden saw somewhere some politician wore funny socks and like it was Justin Trudeau or somebody said, oh, man, that guy got some funny press because he wore socks. So Biden puts this away. I know, I know Joe Biden. I've covered him for a long time. This is how he thinks. He always stocked. But it's basically a plagiarism thing, right? Oh, that worked for that guy. I'll just take it and act like it was organic. While he's acting like that's organic, they send somebody to the Bloomberg reporter as the thing's happening. And go, by the way, you notice his socks? I just happened to see it. And the reporter dutifully goes, oh my God, what's his socks? And they zoom in and they act like this is all on the level. This is all a thing. They plan this out much more than they plan anything else in that organization. And and everybody dutifully plays their role. And then at the end they go, oh, 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 oh." and he'll wear socks again and it'll become a thing. (laughs) 
Willie, I mean, he, he, I assume everything, it's all made in China, but we didn't get to see that. But they, it is Jennifer Epstein, political reporter for um, Bloomberg. And she writes, here's the tweet up on uh, Facebook, but she says, you know, George Bush, HW, was known for socks. Maybe Biden will too. <laughs> he wore blue socks adorned with lighter blue dogs. And in parentheses, yes, there are plenty of more substantive things to tweet about but can we have some fun sometimes? Well, again, <laughs> this is your mainstream media. Can we just have some fun? Um, I, did they ever say that about, you know, let's be honest, Trump did some funny things. He made some funny comments and, you know, he danced to, to YMCA. That wasn't fun. You know, that well, was. <laughs> that did was they ever say not what a whimsical outfit Melania was wearing? Or did they say those spikes that she's wearing for heels could kill somebody if she stepped on them? Like, that was the thing. It was always some sort of evil satanic thing. Did they ever say, oh, Kellyanne Conway looks good in yellow or whatever it or, was? Or I don't Kaylee, recall. Or Kaylee, or Kaylee McEnany? Who yeah, I didn't, any, but Mike Pence. Like, look, Mike Pence had a fly on his head. Did um, they say anything? Uh, Molly Hemingway pointed out, she points out the worst example, in her opinion, of Trump derangement syndrome, and there's God knows there's a million examples, is the fact that Melania Trump, who is un, uh, is, is without a doubt and, and not even uh, debatable, is the most attractive um, first woman lady. Alive. You want me to say that? Most attractive woman alive? <laughs> most attractive first lady ever. I was weighing it with uh, Eleanor uh, um, Eleanor Roosevelt, thank Roosevelt, you. you know, <laughs> but I'd give her the nod. Most attractive first lady ever. Sexiest, hottest first lady ever. It's not even a doubt. Never appeared on a magazine cover. Any magazine cover. Not Vanity Fair, not Elle. Or any, they didn't put her on. I mean, you could put her on the cover and just talk about her clothes or maybe her modeling career. You don't have to say a word about her Trump or about her husband because you hate him. But they wouldn't even do that. I mean, that is so petty. That is so, uh, you know, revealing what kind of people they are. It is a good example of Trump, Trump derangement syndrome. She didn't do anything controversial. Hell, her friend taped her speaking out of school, and even that didn't get her in trouble. That's how, 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 how well she did in uh, her four, four years as first lady. But this, this is just one day. We got the, uh, we got the Trump. Uh, I mean, the uh, the Biden socks, which I got to admit are really funny. You know, the Bloomberg report says they're funny. What the hell are funny Does about Does he have any Delaware State socks? Isn't that where he went to college? Yeah, that's where, right. Well, that's where, where are those? He really started a room with corn pop at Delaware State. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Honest to God. Honest to God. Well, it's my, my dad used to say, Joey, they're just two guys who love each other. <laughs> that's, that is my favorite. Um, but we also have... Um, we have, I think it was Yamichi, who I we all understand is not a real reporter. She's just like, it's it's all like when they let a um, let a high school kid uh, follow him around, you know, like a like a shadow, you know, like some high school kid doing a practice. Hey, you want to go play ball? Do you? <laughs> nah, I know, I don't want to play either. It's like, they they, they it's follow like, around um, yeah. um, a reporter or anybody, any politic, any anyone when they're on career day. So Yamichi is not really a reporter. She's a She's on, you know, she's a typical um, public uh, radio, uh, NPR leech who's getting paid by taxpayers. And she just kind of hangs around. No one ever sees her reports or read her reports, but she's always there. She said yesterday, <clears throat> Biden's picks, I don't know if you can get this one, Colony, Biden picks were like superheroes coming in to save the day. You saw those picks, right? The uh, 
what's his name? Uh, Blinkley or uh, uh, Biden. Biden and uh, Yellen. I mean, these old swamp creatures, these old hacks. They're superheroes. Betty wanted to have a cabinet that looked like America. And there were people there on that stage, of course, talking about all of their different accolades and their experience. But they were also talking about their families who survived the Holocaust, who survived coming from Cuba and fleeing communists, who talked about um, having gumbo diplomacy, cooking food, cooking Southern food, as, as the mm-hmm. United Nations ambassador was saying. Um, all of those things are what America yeah. is about. It's just melting pot. The other thing I'll just say is I was talking to a Democrat who just said this also felt like the Avengers. It felt like we're being rescued from this this <laughs> craziness that we've all lived through from the last four years. And now here are the superheroes to come and save us all. Uh, can we, can we just um, uh, talk about this absolute embarrassment? First of all, I'm going to start with the criticism of Donald Trump. When, why couldn't he defund NPR uh, PBS? Why? I mean, that, that it should have been his first day. Get this, 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 freeloader off the off the beach she's i mean taxpayers are paying her to say things like they talked about gumbo they're like america they talked about things they eat we're talking about national security here four years of and 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 turtle boy said it yesterday i don't disagree the best foreign policy president ever certainly in my lifetime no new wars very few terrorist attacks we took out um, some of the worst terrorists in the world. We did not have a problem with North Korea. We 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 essentially eliminated ISIS temporarily. He started pulling out, withdrawing from Afghanistan. God knows why he didn't. Why he won't finish it? That should have been done. But nobody coming home in in caskets. No, no, he's not having to go to Air Force uh, Andrews Air Force or Joint Base Andrews to greet caskets. <clears throat> That's different than Obama. We didn't drone any weddings, as far as I know. Did we under on Donald Trump? We've had relative peace and, 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 and peace is breaking out all over the Middle East. And this absolute cartoon character says Joe Biden's um, cabinet is coming in like superheroes to rescue us from this nightmare. As far as I could tell, VB, the nightmare consists of mean tweets and maybe some crude comments at press conferences. I don't think it consists of dead Americans, does it? Yeah, I mean, I'd stay. I'd go with Reagan over Trump. For me, I know you have issues with him. I, but, no, uh, I, I would. I'm with that, you. I'm with you. That, I, love, I love Reagan. For those who don't remember, Muammar Gaddafi of Libya said, uh, "America, bleep you!" And suddenly there was a missile in the left portion of his compound, and nobody heard from Muammar Gaddafi for the next ten years. That was Reagan's foreign policy, and I loved it. Now that said, the thing about Yamichi that gets me. One of the things that, that is just so amusing about all this is they know what they're saying is nonsense, and they don't even care because they don't want comment on so she's talking about isn't it refreshing to hear people up there talking about their family and how their families represent the best of america that was so sorely lacking oh really because i heard amy coney barrett talking about her family and you guys claimed that she was racist for adopting children from haiti i mean really did that just happen like two months ago and she's acting like no nothing to see here right right yeah for family trump was always surrounded by his family his kids were theirs you know his sons, his son-in-law, they were... <laughs> Mike Pence's family, the Mike, Mike Pence's Pence. daughter's writing books about their cat, but nobody's talking about that. Joe Biden wears dog socks, and it's on the front page of Time John Kerry talking about his second wife's first husband's... Uh, and, and you know what? They're celebrating family, because John Kerry's stepson and Joe Biden's son teamed up 
to, to, to make millions from communist, uh, uh, communist China. You know, they're all in it together, this family. So what you want there, at least Kerry's stepson had the good sense to go, actually, I don't know about this guy. I'm going to just I'm, check I'm, out. You know, Thank you. I was with you until you started doing lines off that 14-year-old girl's <laughs> um, I'm, I'm out of here, Hunter. Sorry. Um, but I will enjoy we will have some laughs i like i said when when joe biden does a press conference and you suddenly see this pee stain on his pants or his teeth fall out or he starts babbling and making up words we'll have some chuckles i don't deny that and i am always interested in media bias and, and pointing out what frauds these people are like yamichi but it's going to be frustrating when they cover up for him i mean they are accomplices he would not have gotten elected without the media we can laugh at them we can mock them but they were an integral part of his campaign as i've said the other day i mean cnn still has never said the name tony bubulinski never said his name i mean they'll follow up any i mean they you, you saw that on uh msnbc they had that fake nurse from South Dakota saying that everybody died. To, and when they were dying, they said, I thought this was fake. I'm talking about COVID. They gave that woman 23 minutes to tell the story. It didn't check out. You know, there were no stories like this. There's not that many hospitals in South Dakota. And a couple of media outlets checked it out. It didn't check out. They let her come on and tell, this, tell these lies. And they didn't care. But they won't mention the name Tony Bubulinski. But let's get to the biggest rump swab the biggest ass kissing pathetic child and that would be late night comedian stephen colbert who i guess used to be funny i didn't really see him a lot when the, he was funny but he's kind of pathetic now and he sits down and he teased this thing for days he was so excited it was like a, a child it was like a 12 year old girl talking about going to the uh who would be the, the the Justin Bieber of today? You would know this, VB. Who would be the, the heartthrob? <laughs> Harry Styles, maybe. I don't know. Harry, okay, Harry Styles is coming to town, and 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 a twelve year old girl and her friends somehow got tickets. The days leading up to it, they would sound just like Stephen Colbert getting ready to interview Barack Obama. The f advice, if you're you know Colbert's assistant, would be sure make sure you wear baggy pants. Don't wear tight pants. We don't want to know how aroused you are to be around the former president, because let's be honest in his eyes, there is real, real love. I mean, sits down with Obama and says, can you just sit there for a minute? I want to drink you in. This is a grown man telling another grown man. I want to drink you in. Can we play this Colin? Cause it's uncomfortable. Can we just just take a moment? Can I just I don't, and I want to talk. I just yes. I just want to take a moment to, to to drink you in for just a moment because <laughs> I'm having to get used to looking at a president <laughs> again. You yeah. know I've gotten out of I've gotten I, out of the habit. You got, got I got to warm up for Joe Biden. I don't want to pull anything when I see him take the oath <laughs> of office. You got to ease me into this a little bit. I don't want to pull anything. We know what he's pulling. When he's thinking or looking at Obama, and he'll do the same with Biden. This is not even a you know alleged newsman. We know these newsmen, these CNN guys, MSNBC, Cuomo's and Lemons, and we know they're shameless rump swabs, ass-kissing stooges. We know they have no credibility, no objectivity. This is a comedian, allegedly a comedian, saying, just sit there for a moment. I want to drink you in. 
He doesn't want to pull anything. That seemed to be some sort of reference to Jeffrey Tubin. I assume the <laughs> hacked Jeffrey Tubin. <laughs> Jeffrey Tubin, who was hacked yesterday? How would we know? As you said so presciently, at this point, why would somebody hack him? What's in it for anybody? This is like when Wiener said he was getting hacked and everybody said, damage done, Anthony. I don't think we're bothering with you. But, you know, past his prologue, right? I mean, we only need to go back eight years when – Chris Matthews was then on air and right. Chris Matthews said, I got a tingle up my leg thinking about Barack Obama. And now we've got, let me just drink you in. There was this period in the middle there where there wasn't a whole lot of drinking anybody in or saying anything like, Oh, look at the aura <laughs> around you. But I guess we're just going to go back to that now. And here it is. And Obama <laughs> dutifully does the, Oh, you're such a whimsical rascal, but keep it coming. I love yeah, that. <laughs> as I, as I tweeted this morning, no, we thought nobody loved Obama more than Obama. That's what we thought. We were wrong. Stephen Colbert, a grown man, loves well, Obama more than even Obama loves himself. And he loves Michelle, too. It, it is incredible that not only did he do this, but I assume it was on tape and some editor said, oh, good job. Let's go with this. And he looked at it and said, yeah, I want the world to see what a pathetic sycophant I am. And, and, he, and he said, sure, thumbs up, go with it. That's, that's well, one of the, two things. One, one of the great untold stories of this presidential race is not once but twice Joe Biden went to Barack Obama and said, I think I want to run for president. And Obama said, don't. That was in 16 and in 20. He didn't back him in either case. This time he backed him only after he had won the primary. It's true. I mean, he was his vice president and he wasn't sold on him. That's very telling. That's number one. Number two, you had a really good tweet the other day and I, I've always been on board with you. I'm sure he's a really nice guy, but Colbert makes me think of Conan O'Brien. And you said, was this guy ever funny? And how did this guy get to last as long as he did as a late night, quote unquote, comedian when he's never made me laugh? When was the last time Colbert made you laugh, Jerry? I haven't seen much of him lately. I just see the clips on Twitter and we, and we play him occasionally. To me, BB, it looks like he's not even trying to be funny. He's I, not even trying. He's just trying to support his guys, which are the liberals and, and hate on Trump. That's He's like no different than, you know, Chris Cuomo. He's not really trying to be funny. He's just trying to be political. But it's a good question. I guess I, I don't even – the thing with – Well, the, what about Kimmel? What about Trevor Noah? You watch those Trevor Noah clips during football, and you're like, that's like just a straight-on speech. Right. I didn't see any attempted humor. They all gave it up. Yeah. They gave up humor. They gave up joking and, and laughter to support their team. And you're right. Kimmel, he used to be funny, right? I think he did. No, he did. He was. He cries. He's a grown man who cries. Well, you know, when he gets starts thinking about all the, you know, the, the kids in cages, the Trump putting kids in, and he starts crying. He's well, I mean, they're all in it together. It's, it's just embarrassing. If you put one guy at late night who didn't go with the crowd, who didn't step, stay in line. If you had like Greg Gutfeld, Put him on at eleven thirty. He would destroy them all in the ratings. Destroy them, and he actually tried to be funny and acerbic and contrarian. He would kill the whole bunch of them. And I was, I was probably you know unfair to to, to Conan O'Brien and had a little uh, took some you know backlash on Twitter from some uh, some former friends of mine. But I will say this: I, he's not stupid. I, I, I that was hyperbole. But he just keeps getting, he's got another job. He's going to be on HBO Max. No one's ever watched him. No one's ever thought he was funny. No one ever thought his show was, was any good. 
but no one ever says, you know, you got to go now. We're, well, he's a little like he's a little like Joe Biden, which is he's just been around a long time and he just keeps trading up somehow, even though the success rate of what he did at the previous spot wouldn't justify that kind of move. But he does go. And again, in woke world, he doesn't check any of the boxes. So it's a right. weird thing that's happening based on how it doesn't happen in other avenues. But it has. Ha Good to him, by the way. I'll tip my Falcons visor to him. <laughs> as, as, as you're sitting there on the uh, Callahan podcast and he's just sitting there, you know, sit, uh, uh, looking at all these. Yeah. <laughs> you know, should I go to HBO or TBS and how many millions am I going to make? It's. It's why it's good to be a liberal. I should have been a liberal. You should have been a liberal because you have job security. If you're Yamichi, you don't have to have any ratings. You don't have to have a following. You don't have to even have to, you know, be smart and make, you know, good, uh, you know, points. You just have to be a liberal and you will never be without a job in, in mainstream media. Look at all of them. Their ratings. Well, Nobody's watching Trevor Noah or Jimmy Kimmel or Jimmy Fallon compared to, you know, 10, 20 years ago. They're, they're, they're not. They got no audience, but we, it doesn't matter. We live in a box. Hold on. There's one box they have to check in the last four years. There was only one box. Maybe. Do you hate Trump? If it's a yes, you're good. You don't have to have ratings or viewers. If you hate Trump, you can do or say anything you want. You have great job security. What is it? If you can rewind this, please do 20 yeah. seconds. Callahan, Callahan's talking. Cullinane hasn't been on for 40 straight minutes. What so Cullinane tries to get in for one second, and Callahan Heisman's him, and Cullinane gives the biggest eye roll ever. Like, Let him go. You can't Let even give me this one second. Oh, no, no. All the time you need, Cullinane. What is no, your, your expectations are just, they're just completely <laughs> off. We live in the BuzzFeedification of America. They're not doing late night show, a late night show like David Letterman used to do they're doing a late night show so that you can cut a five minute clip of obama playing with puppies so that it goes viral on twitter and youtube and they make money that way they're not even they're not even trying anymore to entertain or make people laugh that's what they're it's well, not, not even getting they don't get numbers either they don't get ratings either that doesn't seem to matter anymore they they picked i think it's the grammys or emmys i, I forget coming up trevor noah is going to host so you pick a guy who's got no ratings, who no one thinks is funny, who just sits there with his in his in his living room with his hooded sweatshirt making fun of Trump. That's all he does. And he's going to be the host. I'm like, there's nobody out there that's, you know, funny. Wasn't that used to be you used to pick, you know, Chris Rock or you know, you used to have to be, you know, uh, whether it was, uh, you know, Billy Crystal or, or whoever, you had to have some well, humor. Two things. One, I, I'd like to make a point, but first, Jerry, I just want to drink you in for a minute. <laughs> Let me just do that. But also, you know, say what oh, you want about the world you're that we sure. live in. <laughs> exactly. Eat it up. How hard is it to be funny about Trump? Does he not give you material in which you can tell jokes that would make people laugh? And yet the vitriol is just too much. It just overtakes everything oh, and it doesn't oh, allow anybody to think normally. Well, on the same lines, how hard is it to joke about Biden? They, they, I agree. You have Biden, you have Hunter Biden, uh, you know, on camera. And I've seen the video, you know, servicing himself while smoking crack. You have him with a hook or a I don't know, hooker stripper giving him a foot job, which I didn't even know was a thing with her feet. 
And these are comedians, and they can't find any humor in that. I mean, you have them selling out the country to the Chinese. That's not particularly funny, but you do. He would be the black sheep of the family. I would think you could have some humor. You have a presidential candidate who's now president-elect who makes up words, who loses his way, who makes up stories about corn pop and his hairy legs and his, and his father talking about gay guys in 1963, all completely ridiculous. And yet well, there was a famous Saturday Night Live skit where about Reagan, where, you know, in the second term, people, Reagan was slipping and whatever. And they did this skit where Reagan would be out posing with the Boy Scouts. He'd be like, hey, did you sell enough cookies? And they'd take a picture and then he'd go, get him out of here. They'd shut the door. And then Reagan was in total control and he was pointing around. Everybody's like, oh, my God, who's this guy? And it was really kind of funny because it went against the grain uh-huh. of what the public perception was. It wouldn't be that hard to do the same skit here where Biden's posing with the Boy Scouts. Then they close the door and Kamala goes, sit down. And then she's doing all the pointing and whatever. Liberals would eat that up, but it'd also be kind of funny. But they just can't even think that quickly to to put something together. So they just go, oh, Joe Biden's awesome. And Jim Carrey's playing him. And we'll all laugh, even though there's no attempt at humor here. And they do it. And then the wheel just keeps spinning. They do have a a good... uh Kamala and Maya Rudolph, she's good. Yeah. But, but Jim Jim uh, carries Biden sucks. It's not funny, and uh, I don't know if he's going to keep doing it for the next four years. But they they can't see it. They can't see their way to making fun of him because they adore him because they just want to drink him in. It's it's you know it'll be interesting to watch. I know you you know you and I'll be online and on Twitter and and watching all these pathetic sycophants in the media you know just fillet their heroes but most people they won't see you like again they won't learn when there's corruption and there will be because you know it's joe biden you know we won't learn about his connections to china we won't learn about hiding uh you know uh you, what he did in the ukraine and the money hunter biden made we won't learn about his corrupt brother jim biden all that stuff will be buried because that's this is their guy he defeated trump they're thrilled they're ready to Get back on their knees like they were for eight years with uh, with Barack Obama. That's what the media's job is, to cover the news with a pillow until it dies. That's that's their goal. That's their job. They will continue to do it. Joe Biden said to NBC, and, and this was just a like a tweet yesterday late. Joe Biden says, you know, I think we should open the schools. And everyone looks at this tweet and goes, what? <laughs> What we're just, we have this, we have the spike, right? And lots of more cases, including all age groups who get, and Joe Biden picks yesterday, two days before Thanksgiving to say, you know, we should open the schools. Wh- where was that in September? Where was that in August when the schools were, you know, in many places when they were opening, but in other places where they weren't, everybody has known since April that schools should be open. We all know that Joe Biden is a puppet of the teachers unions. The teachers unions are controlling this decision. And they not they don't want to open schools because they're pretending they're in some mortal danger, um, and we've seen some teachers unions. Well, but this so, is the dance, Jerry. Right? This is the dance he's got to do. Which is first of all, he thinks he's now a leader, so he's trying to lead when his staff's like, no, 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 take the day off, sit back, don't do anything controversial, like talk about open schools, which every parent in the country thinks is a good idea, and they're going crazy because it isn't. I know I'm one of them. So that's that's the first problem. The second problem is, you know. When Rahm Emanuel is too controversial for the Democrats, he's going to have to constantly do this delicate dance of, hey, there are some basic common sense things we can do. And then he's got to be told why that's not common sense 
to 80 million people. And he's going to go, huh, I'm that out of touch that I didn't know that we can't do that thing. This is going to happen more and more. There is going to be a, a, a big battle within the Biden administration as to where they go. And I wouldn't put my money on him right now. You see, you referenced Diana Presley earlier. The squad is not going to go away. And by, do you think Biden's going to stand up to them over the long run? In the short run, maybe. Well, he, he has so far. I mean, you short run, no, yeah. there's no Liz. There's no, you know, he's not and named any radicals or surrounded himself with any of these socialists who helped him get elected. Um, and I, I'm, it's going to be strange. He's going to get us in pointless foreign wars. That's, you know, his, his MO is our AOC and Ayanna Presley going to support him when he, when we're, you know, um, doubling down in Syria and, 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 and people start coming home in, in caskets or AOC going to say, yeah, that's important for, uh, you know, America's interests or something. I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to teaming up with Ayanna and AOC and, and, and protesting war saying like, end this foreign war because, it's a, it's you a, know, that's not the thing, though, Jerry. You know that. Like Trump ran and built a wall, and that was the thing. And okay, for four years we debated whether or not we need a wall. What they're going to do is Biden's going to try and placate the AOCs. He's going to build seawalls, and so Boston's going to have a thirty-foot mammoth seawall that's ostensibly going to keep out the rising tides. We're going to pay trillions of dollars for these things all over the country, and Biden's going to hope that that passes as a Green New Deal, and that that keeps the Bernies and AOCs at bay because that's his goal is to just keep them at bay and it probably will yeah well i mean it's obviously the the whole climate change things is is a i mean it's just a joke anyway we know now that he's named he's named carrier to this which means it's not serious they're not they don't really mean it it's all just you know feel good stuff it's just oh, oh see we care about the climate and yet he will uh, enable and appease china at every turn that'll be a little disturbing when he starts you know kissing china's ass but again i think you know despite what the late night comedians do we're going to have some laughs there's going to be some some real humor to cut out of this collection of swamp creatures that we've seen so far and we know already that joe biden's in the throes of dementia and can't make it through a sentence i realize they'll be covering for him you know like they covered for fdr they'll be covering for him and pretending that he's lucid when he's not but eventually it'll uh We'll all get to see and hear. How's he even going to do a State of the Union address? That's an hour long. How is Joe Biden going to be able to read a teleprompter for an hour? The prepared stuff he can do, at least for now. I mean, I, I'm not that worried yeah, about that. Yeah, I think we're like two years. We'll see. I want to know if the, you know, Trump never holds a press conference, even though almost every week he was on the White House lawn having impromptu press conferences. But if we're going to keep hearing about that because there's no way Biden's going to be doing. You saw the other day, he sat down with the guy for like one second and immediately said, who are you? You're the loud jerk who's always yelling. He basically called him fake news and everyone acted like, oh, nothing to see here. But he can't do that stuff going forward so that i assume you're not gonna see much that guy asked should schools be open you know he said would you yeah. uh, override the teachers union who wants to keep the vacation going don't ever they don't ever want to work and they said do you think schools should be open he said why are you always yelling at me and i'm like what this is this is the situation he is not uh uh prepared for any real questions because he's so accustomed to just having his, his boots licked that he thinks that any time he steps before the media, it's going to be like Stephen Colbert or Yamichi, and they're all just going to get down on their knees. If there's ever, you know, if, if, if a Fox News guy sneaks in there or a, or a Newsmax guy sneaks in the press conference and asks a real question, Biden's going to get flustered. 
he's not used to it. He's he's his whole life he's had nothing but uh but love from the media. But is that so, OAA is that OANN woman gonna be in the White House press briefings uh, anymore? I'd like to see her first question to buy that. See, there's the comedy, Jerry. Don't you want to know what she's gonna ask? <laughs> she won't be invited. She's probably already picked out. There's a lot of left-wing websites that he has to uh, take care of. So she'll she'll probably give uh, they'll probably give her the boot and they'll never call on, you know, Newsmax, rarely call on Fox News, the New York Post. Those are the enemies. Those are the people that actually covered the news when when Hunter Biden's laptop, uh, when that story broke, they actually covered the news and there would be no more of that. No, 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 no more covering the news. They are here to support Sleepy Joe. So it'll be it'll be interesting. Shea Concrete has buildings. They have buildings. They've they partner with Easy Set Worldwide, and they manufacture precast concrete buildings for multiple applications in a variety of sizes. Shea's been manufacturing precast buildings for over 17 years, and no one does it better. Precast concrete buildings provide the most durable and long-lasting option compared to other modular building applications, such as metal, wood, masonry. Shea Concrete manufactures, delivers, and installs these engineered precast concrete buildings as a true turnkey provider from initial handshake through the final installation support. With a focus on cost efficiency and quality control, each of their precast concrete buildings are pre-assembled at their factory and typically delivered and installed in one piece by their experts. Uh, you know what makes them uh, better than other buildings? They, they, can, uh, they can build them in the worst of weather because they do it indoors. That's unlike... Other, you know, wood, metal, they do it indoors, in, the, in their big plants. They build your building. This increases productivity, lowers cost, and gives the customer a legitimate time frame of when the building will be placed on site. To learn more, simply go to shakeconcrete.com or call them up and ask for Frank or Mike. These are the experts in these buildings. They'll tell you what you need. They can tell you what sizes they can build. It's the answer. You need a building, go for a precast concrete building. Call them today or just log on to shakeconcrete.com. Learn all about their precast buildings. A couple more things. And, and you know, I, I I just read this this morning again, because I've been trying to figure it out. Um, Pete Davidson's going to play uh, Jimmy Stewart, the Jimmy Stewart character, George Bailey, in It's a Wonderful Life. And it's one of those things where you look at it and you go, that can't be real. That's got to be someone, just, that's got to be the Babylon Bee, the Onion. And I read it, and it's real. And the whole cast is 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 just ridiculous. It's a you know, a bunch of uh, I guess Judd Apatow people. His daughter is one of the co-stars. And I looked at it first and said, Is Pete Davidson going to be you know Mr. Potter, or is he going to be some small you know supporting character? No, he's going to be George Bailey. <clears throat> the reason, first of all, it's it just sounds ridiculous. Pete Davidson can barely make it through a little skit on Saturday night live. He's not a, you know, he's not going to be able to carry a full length film and he's not a likable guy. You know, he's, he's all tatted up. He's a wise ass. He's a drug addict. He's, he seems like a punk. Sometimes that works. That doesn't work as George Bailey. <laughs> Who's who thinks Pete Davidson can pull off George Bailey, who is a very obviously sympathetic character at some point in the movie. Well, also, what do we know about Pete Davidson, Jerry? He's publicly posted that he's contemplated suicide before. So, hey, who's the brilliant genius who said, let's get the guy who's publicly stated, I need help. Let's get him 
to rehearse and prepare to play the guy that actually tries to commit suicide. Like, what's next? OJ is the DC sniper in the next upcoming movie? Like, this is nonsense. Is he going to jump in the water and get uh, do the whole thing? Is it going to yeah, be? This, is, this isn't like a real movie, though. This is just a table reading, like nonsense for charity. This isn't like a real. But aren't they going to make? I know, but it's the same idea, Dave. He's reading these lines, and he's going to be doing the. Whoa! I'm looking yeah. down. I'm yeah, thinking but, about it. Yeah, but it's more of just uh, from a PR perspective. They're just gathering a group of people. I don't think they put over, uh, a ton of emphasis on who plays so, what. So character. when you when you pay or a bid on this charity, what happens? <laughs> well, you watch them read it. Yeah. So I, I guess hypothetically, you're watching kind of like a Broadway show version of this. Yes. But does Pete Davidson fit this character in any way? I get that we don't like. Do we only have transgender people play transgender characters? I know Hollywood's doing this thing, but how does Pete Davidson fit this role in any way? I mean, how many kids does Pete Davidson have at his age that he would have had the life experiences to know what George Bailey's going through or what George Bailey's feeling? Like, this is like having the Muppets do a version of It's a Wonderful Life. And you're like, oh, okay, I get that we're completely removed from the story, but this is nonsense. This is have silly. Have seen uh, King of Staten Island? Because I have not. I, I've not seen that movie where he is the star and it's his story and he's, you know, all in his glory. Um, it was, uh, according to the New York post, it was critically acclaimed, but I didn't see it. No. I, I missed it. I'm not the big, ever since the, see, here's the other thing about Pete Davidson. So Pete Davidson does a really horrible thing and he makes that quote unquote joke about Dan Crenshaw and then Crenshaw throws him a lifeline and goes on with him and they do their thing and it works out great. So what does Pete Davidson do with that gift? Two weeks later, he says, I shouldn't have done it. I re retract my deal with that and I disavow it because some people can't help but look gift horses in the mouth. But in the world that we live in, Jerry, the gift horse just keeps coming back for Pete Davidson. And he's such a punk that uh, he'll brag about his you know relationship with whatever celebrity, Ariana Grande. And then he'll, he'll, he'll literally talk about it publicly talk about it on snl and then say it's none of your business it's my private life i'm like what you made it public you know you brag about it you want it to be public you want to appear you know you're like the bad boy that all the the hot celebrity chicks want to uh you know spend time with he's just loathsome and i i mean maybe it'll be so bad it'll be good you know, it'll be, you'll be watching him try to be George Bailey. You'll be like, man, that is so awful. How, how, why would anyone care if you're just sitting and reading a script and you don't actually, you know, jump in the water? Well, if you saw the, like, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, they did this with uh, Jennifer right. Aniston was Phoebe Cates and yep. Brad Pitt was Hamilton. And that was kind of funny when they did that scene, knowing the tension and they're doing the thing. It was good. This, though, wouldn't you think, like, Okay, who are we going to get to do George Bailey? I wonder if Denzel would do it because that would be kind of interesting, especially in 2020. And you you need someone with gravitas who we Tom, all understand. Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks would be perfect. Yeah, but but in right? fairness, so this this charity that they're raising money for is supporting you know mental health related causes. Pete Davidson, oh. at least in the last what's two years, he has been from a celebrity standpoint uh, at the forefront of kind of a men mental health uh, initiative. Let's put it that way. So he mocked his. Remember he mocked his own father as a, as a fireman he mocked the fireman yeah. on 9-11 i mean i guess that's his thing that nothing is beyond you know beyond reproach for him he can mock and, and ridicule anyone in anything but i never think he's funny on snl but then again who is <laughs> well in the end i mean colony makes a point but the problem with that dave is that 
if you're going to go that route, wouldn't the idea be that the guy who's also been to the bottom now realizes that it is a wonderful life and wouldn't he be perfect for this role? Does anybody think that about Pete Davidson? Does anybody think he's had that kind of catharsis? That's actually a good point by Cullinan, though. You pick a guy who, who you know, is, hits rock bottom, right? And then he comes back. Isn't that the whole point? But mm -hmm. has he come back, Jerry? Does he, do yeah, you think a he's movie, understood? A movie, he's going to pretend he comes back. And, but he, but he, he doesn't ever play like a serious role. He's always a punk. That's his role in SNL when he's on the... the the weekend update, he's always just the punk, the tattooed punk. That's what he does. You know, I know, but at the end of the movie, you picture him going, the pedals, the pedals are Jesusu. <laughs> and then he goes, and then he looks and he goes, cut, and then he just drops the kid and walks off. Because that's how he Jimmy Stewart, you believed, was really hugging this kid and was kissing the kid and having this thing. And and will they instead of doing bourbon, shots of bourbon, uh, will he be like doing lines, you know, with uh, with uh, Clarence? <laughs> to shooting up with Clarence. <laughs> I don't want you as scriptwriter. I know that, Callahan. I've been nothing else from this podcast. Well, Callahan Pete, doesn't get the right to rewrite it. It's, it's Pete Davidson. Way. Again, it's hard to picture him as a family man. But uh, anyway, a um, couple other things. I know we all know VB. If you don't know, VB is a Atlanta Falcons fan for some freaking reason. Yesterday, we were talking about Tom Brady on uh, on Monday night. And how bad he was, and how bad is he had a couple of the worst picks of his career. Oh. A couple of, I mean, he just looked old. As I said, he looked so old and confused. Biden thought of naming him to the cabinet. It was that bad. Um, Turtle Boy said he looked so bad, he, he reminded him of Matt Ryan. You believe that? I don't know. I, look, I got issues there, but no, so I love I knew Brady. I, I'm rooting for him, and I was watching that game, and that really was a. And I, I could, Bruce Arians didn't help him in any way, Jerry. Like they does. just kept That's throwing him out there and kept doing the same stuff. And he, Brady kept not getting what was happening and they just kept doing it. He was one for nine or one for 10, throwing it down the field, 15 yards or further uh, deeper. He's got great weapons, as good a weapons as he's ever had, I think around him, including Gronk. Um, but he it, it, it just made bad decisions. The double pass thing was bizarre. Cause again, he knows that's a penalty and he did it anyway. It was a very strange and discouraging game from Brady. And I think it's what you get from 43-year-olds because the, the wear and tear takes its toll and November turns to December and January and all those you know, aches and pains add up. I don't see him finishing strong. He may, I may be wrong, but I don't see him finishing strong and you know, carrying his team into the playoffs on a, on a high note. But By the way, Jerry, what sense does that make where we all acknowledge that the double pass is illegal, but because the other team refuses the penalty, the double pass is actually in the record books. He got seven passing yards on that play because they didn't put the ball back at the original line. How is that not nullified immediately? I don't understand that rule. That's got to change. That's Plus he gets a catch, right? He gets, he gets a, he gets a catch and a, yeah, he gets the yardage, even though we all know it was an illegal play. The well, other team shouldn't have a say in that. Like <laughs> that's gone. Then whether you want the yardage or not, and that's a good point. And you. you know, it was something I've never seen Brady do, and for good reason. He knows it's against the rules, and he did it anyway, which is such a rare, un an odd thing to see Brady have a mental lapse that you know <laughs> that obvious. Um, but but here's where, and I knew this would happen. Here's where he took criticism, and I knew he would because he didn't shake hands after the game. Now. Brady in the past, I think it was one of the Super Bowls, Nick Foles, or 
when he, when he lost and didn't shake hands, they shake hands and took a lot of grief. And then we found out later that he was under the uh, outside the locker room, waiting for the guy, shook hands, hugged, spent time. He did it in his own way. He, he gave, he congratulated the winner in his own way. In this case, I don't know why he does it because he knows people like Shannon Sharp His you know, that, that fool will sit there and call him a bad sport and a sore loser. And uh, Kyle Brandt from NFL Network, I believe, was ripping him, saying what a terrible example he is that he can't shake hands. Um, first of all, it's COVID. You're not supposed to shake hands. Maybe he thought he'd get fined if you, if you shake hands. The league has fined people for less, you know, than, than they find people for pulling their mask down. Did you see they're going to make players wear masks on the sideline now? They're going to wear make them wear when they come off the field. The offense got to put their masks on. There's been no great outbreak. There's been no issue, no spike. Can but they put on one of those those Bruce Arians? Like medieval knights didn't take that long to get dressed. Arians has more stuff wrapped around him and over him, and he's got something running through that shield. I don't even know how it's, they like. Did they do that when the shield was on? They they they're going to make those guys wear masks even if they have the shield. Like Andy Reid is going to have to wear a mask and a shield. Pittsburgh's we, talking about making them wear it in on the game. Like yeah, they're, the they're state of Pennsylvania. Oh, by the way, we should get to the state of Pennsylvania because we, you know, obviously we've talked a lot about it. And I know you have too. talked a lot about the draconian measures of um, all the local governments, the mayors, the governors in this, this time of COVID, they're not going to let this crisis go to waste. Um, but we're going to get back to Brady for a moment. I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, Brady who didn't shake hands, took a lot of grief, which is ridiculous. But well, Mahomes did. You remember in week two, Mahomes took a lot of grief because he did shake hands. Remember that, Jerry? The, one of the it was against the Pats, I think, and they, they were like, "How dare the league has never been clear on this, and the league should have absolved. They should have said there is nothing when the game is over. Get off the field. We're not having prayers. We're not shaking hands. We're not touching anybody. Get out of there. The league has made this particularly murky, like they always do, and as a result, they allow Brady to take crap for something that. Told, what does it matter in a regular season game whether he does or not? Super Bowl is different. He should have been out there. This is stupid, and who cares? And and again, maybe he would get dressed, shower, whatever, and then go see right. You know, uh, in this case, Jared Goff, and and just and all the you know any Ram player that he you know wants to shake hands with. Maybe he did it in the tunnel. Um, but you know, it's all virtue signaling. You want to look like you're a, a good loser and and you know Brady was probably pretty pissed off because he had a terrible made some terrible mistakes did not have a good game on national TV again in prime time I believe he's one in three this season he's not been good at night in prime time we'll see how it goes he plays the Chiefs this week um I I, I you know I asked we talked about this yesterday and turtle boy of course you know disagree with me but when there were two and a half minutes left and he was down three and he had the ball did you not think he was going to win that game monday night that to me was shocking that brayton or at least tie it at least go to overtime yeah i thought a field goal but i also what was shocking about it was just how bad a throw that was and how off it was i don't care how you misread something that was like 10 yards off that said jerry what's the number one thing that you find interesting about the nfl right now that you're rooting for 
the number one thing is is young quarterbacks watching no, young quarterbacks. No. this week. I'm thinking the Patriots playing Arizona. I think about watching Kyler Murray. That excites me. I'm not. What quite- excites me is how bad a record is going to win the NFC East. I want it to be like four eleven and one wins that division. I mean, that's a terrible division, but the team, <laughs> it's awful. It's the team great. In last place in last place in that division, which is all of them. They're only a half a game behind the Patriots. They have three. Yeah. They have three. And my Falcons only have four. Um, they're, they're Falcons three. would be a half game out with horrific, as epically bad this season is. They would be a half game out in the NFC East, and it's only going to get worse there because they cannot beat anybody other than themselves. Quick one on Shannon Sharp, um, Mike McCarthy on Sunday before uh, the get the Cowboys game to get the team psyched up. It's what you do if you're um. If you're a coach at any level, it's, it was my favorite part of being a, a football coach is trying to get the team fired up, make up something. I always tell the story of my high school coach had like six grandparents or uncles or aunts died during the season because he would always get all fired up and get, get emotional and dedicate the game to Uncle Jimmy. And then the next week it'd be, you know, Aunt Sally. It'd be just somebody died every week. And we were you know, high school kids. We bought into it 100%. Um, but this doesn't sound like an NFL thing, but I guess the Cowboys are desperate. Mike McCarthy is desperate, and he smashed up a watermelon in part of the with a sledgehammer as part of the pregame psych up speech. And when you heard that, you knew it was coming. <laughs> Shannon Sharp, who wakes up in the morning and says, "What can I say that is stupider than what I said yesterday?" And he topped himself this week. That is uh, racist. A coach smashing a watermelon. Wait till he hears about Gallagher. I mean, he's really going to lose. Well, that was the that was the impetus of this whole thing. McCarthy said Gallagher. (laughs) Actually, that's the most criminal part of this thing is that McCarthy thought Gallagher should be an inspiration for a football team in some. Well, also, (laughs) couldn't they get Gallagher in there? Like Gallagher, ten bucks. Can you come do this for us? Gallagher booked. Like, come on. Let me let me play you Shannon Sharp so you can see this because he's he's angry. He's angry. I don't think it's fun. And listen, you're white America. <clears throat> Anytime you have black people in your presence, watermelon has a negative connotation. Yep. Let it go. Mm. Let it go. Things that were acceptable many, many years ago, even though it wasn't acceptable, it was tolerated. It's unacceptable. It will not be tolerated. Find another tool, another mechanism to make to motivate your players, black players. If you need somebody, a white man, smashing watermelon to get you motivated, you're in the wrong line of business. Mm. It's not funny. It's not cute. Racist for smashing a watermelon. So, in other words, if he smashed a, a honeydew cantaloupe. melon or a whatever, a cantaloupe. It's cantaloupe. Smashed a cantaloupe. It's okay, but smashing a watermelon is. I, mean, I, I never understand that. What's your favorite really- of all those, though, Jerry? I always loved Jack Del Rio when he was at Jacksonville. And it never worked down there with him, and it was going to be a mistake. So Jack Del Rio brings in this giant tree stump and puts it in the oh, middle right. of the locker room. Yeah. And he puts an axe in, and he says, fellas, we got to keep chopping wood. So the first guy that does it is the punter. He goes up, he pulls the axe out, and he goes to chop, and he misses the thing. Fun. He gashes his leg, and he's out for the year. Well, one if ever team, something represented a team, it was that. Uh, one college team got stopped. I forget who it was. Was it? Uh, I'll check. A uh, college team was, bringing, was heading onto the field. And they had a chainsaw, an actual chainsaw. And I think the guy was going to start it and run on the field with the chainsaw. And that was, you know, their, I don't know, symbol. 
every team they have these things that they give you yeah. that you win if you get a sack you wear this thing around your neck and the the ref you can see the video the official runs up and stops him and says what are you doing and the guy's like uh it's a chainsaw we're gonna start it up and we're gonna you know and and they wouldn't let him do it no in typical official would didn't want to have any fun um but uh, let me find out what college that was it's um, got to be like Texas State or something down there, right? Something down there. The chainsaw's got to be Texas. Say Mississippi say. something or rather Mississippi State. Or, uh, it is, I'm looking right at a Mississippi Gulf Coast. I knew it. Miss Gulf Coast Community College. And the lineman is coming out on the field, big, huge lineman with the chainsaw in his hand. And the and the ref runs up and stops him. Man, guys, just have a little fun. What could go wrong? A chainsaw. I don't know. There's always uh, the way that a soccer mom looks at like a cat singing video is how you're watching that video right now, Jerry. <laughs> I just feel like after this podcast, you're going to watch this three or four more times because look at the gleam in his eye right now. You're like, you, this gives you absolute. I, I, I'm a sucker. If you're, flipping, <laughs> if you're watching TV or flipping old movie and it doesn't matter what movie it is. If there's a, inspirational motivational speech from a coach it doesn't have to be herb brooks the other night i was flipping around and and any given sunday not a great movie but al pacino's making his speech and he uh, you stop and you and i get the little tingle how about um you know when, when uh, john matuzak in uh, north dallas 40 makes his speech about every time you say it's a good business I, I say it's a game you say it's a game i say it's a business you you're all full of it and he's so good he's an actual football player a guy I think might have had a little brain damage, but he does a brilliant job in that there's no such thing as a movie coach's motivational speech that isn't good. It's a movie. Uh, Rudy. 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 Yeah, five foot nothing. yeah, that whole speech. Yeah, no, Colin, no. Colin cries immediately at that. Great, great moments are born from great opportunity, fellas. I mean, that's the greatest TV. I agree. I mean, that's the greatest movie sports speech ever. Yep. Is, and I think Denzel makes like five of them in uh, – in remember the time, he's so good and the assistant coach does too those make the movie i think that's why i love sports movies so much is they just find it they find the right time to have the right speech and you can't help but get uh get fired up by them and actually uh, uh speaking of speaking of sports speaking of uh getting fired up thanksgiving no football games this week i'm assuming that you carved out some time for a dramatic reading of your uh of your herald column uh, what, like what no with no game it's so criminal it is criminal what we've done to kids and they're not in school it's criminal what the teachers unions have done to children you know it better than anyone uh uh vb because you got like 27 kids running around in you know on virtual you know virtual classrooms it's just criminal. It's got one of them's nothing. missing a meeting right now, Jerry, so that I can talk to you. That's the priority I have with my 10 year old is actually missing her first Zoom of the even, day. Even so Biden, I can spend quality time with you on this, this piece of equipment. Even, even Joe Biden, who's a wholly owned subsidiary of the teachers union, even he said we should be back at school because they run out of excuses. They know it's not science, they know it's not medical, there's no public health risk. They know it. But the teachers, a nine-month vacation is not enough. The teachers' union wants to keep it going. It's criminal. The the parents, it's time for the parents to revolt. There should be high school football tomorrow. There should be Division three college football. There should be every sport should be played. Their kids, this is not a threat to them. We know it. Maybe maybe the next virus that China releases on us will be. This one is not. It's 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 a it's a 
danger for, you know, as we know, the vulnerable at-risk population, people over 70, people over 300 pounds, they're at risk. Kids, VB's kids, Cullinan's kids are at no risk. The fact that they allow, the government forces you to to stay home is just so wrong. It's so outrageous. I know we've said it every day. We'll say it again. Every day we go over these insane restrictions and regulations and in these restaurants that have been putting out of business and gyms because of these, these, these tyrants, Pennsylvania. And, and we've had some, some yucks about some of these rules, but Pennsylvania today, you're, it's against a lot of sell sell alcohol, you know, no, no bars and no uh, package stores just from 5. PM till tomorrow morning, 5. PM on. Can you help me out? Why? What, what does that do? How does that stop the spread? What's the public health threat to, to selling beer on, the night before Thanksgiving, you, you, you don't, it's not a bar necessarily. You close restaurants already, but it's a package store. So you get a six pack and you go home and drink it. How does that Jerry, spread the disease? Jerry, what part of follow the science do you not understand? I'm, I'm, I understand every part. I'm asking why you're not following the science. I was in a supermarket yesterday oh. and I'm going up the aisle and this woman's coming the other way. And she looks at me, I wasn't thinking anything of it, but she was self-conscious. She goes, oh, my God, I'm going the wrong way. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm like, you're okay. Get your cookie mix. We're fine. Like, But this is what they do to us now. She thought she was the most awful person ever because the arrow said go this way, and she was going that way, and she wanted to apologize six weeks to Sunday for doing that because it was I, such I, an egregious offense. I always go the wrong way because that's the kind of guy I am. I'm like Billy, what's his name, in Midnight Express when he goes against the, the wheel. They walk on the wheel, and he goes the wrong way before he run and escapes. That's me. I'm, I'm born contrarian so i go against the grain screw them if i end up infecting people you know hey that's it's a chance you take i'm not going to go with the with the crowd and go with the The good news is you never liked people so you were never around people to begin with COVID or not jerry you usually kept about 60 feet distance between you and everybody nobody's ever at risk with you because you're not near to anybody as i said i want to be a rebel and break all the rules and have like a big crowd over for thanksgiving but i don't have any friends or very few family, so i can't so i don't i don't know how to uh, put it this way you want to take thanksgiving from me we're good if that's your one move i'm just telling you keep chris keep your hands off my christmas you can have new year's and you can have thanksgiving i don't care i'm not gonna fight this stuff oh. halloween and christmas i gotta have bb they're coming for christmas we mentioned this guy, the guy in uh, the uk the uh, politician in the I uk know who wants to postpone it six months and have Christmas <laughs> in June. And that sounds nutty, but you've all these measures sound nutty at first. And then you, people say, you know, they really are canceling school. They really are, you know, canceling Santa. Santa's in a bubble now at the mall. They put a big plastic bubble around them and kids just go up and tap on the glass. That's all right, on Valentine's day. Are we going to be able to kiss our spouse or what's the rule on that? What are they going to do with that one? I'm just glad I'm not in the mistletoe business because no one's going to have any mistletoe anymore. They're going to come. Didn't that get banned already for woke yeah. reasons? Like you can't have be kissing strangers now or something? Yes, I, I believe uh, it's uh, it's got me, the Me Too movement. That's another casualty of the Me Too movement. Mistletoe and the song "Baby It's Cold Outside." They ixnay that song because of the. Uh, the well, at least this year, I know why I'm not getting a Christmas present from you, Jerry. You can't go shopping. I don't know what happened the last 15 years when I didn't get a present from you, but at least this year, you have an excuse. I can't imagine being you or either of you guys with little kids and trying to tell them, you know, 
the, the, there's all these new rules that you can't, you know, have Christmas parties. You can't go Christmas caroling. You can't sit on Santa's lap. It just, I mean, this so many- kids aren't old enough. You know what the worst yeah. is Jerry? I'll just give you a little insight. When it rains, you're in for a long day. When you can't say get out and stay out for at least an hour, when everybody is in for 18 straight hours and you're fighting over the clicker, that is the long day. Rainstorms and what then will be snowstorms. Snow's better because you'll go play in the right. snow. Rain is awful. That day, the other day, that was a long day. And the government says you can't even drink today. So, <clears throat> you know, I know you're not a big drinker, but uh, – my wife started. My wife, COVID has got started my drinking. wife drinking wine now. Yeah. She goes, I can't. I need it at the end of the night. She's now, we have four bottles of wine upstairs. I said, okay, honey, but how much do you well, need? You know drinking? what? I, you know, I got to be honest with you, VB. I, I would recommend it to you too. You, you, you could use it. And, uh, <laughs> uh, did you stock up Conan on your pink Whitney? Because the liquor stores, yep. I mean, I don't know how late they're going to be open in Massachusetts, but, uh, that spreads the spreads the virus to have liquor stores open, you know, rest. It's just, uh, it's just madness. And I say this all the time, but <clears throat> it's easy for me. Again, I don't have, you know, kids doing virtual classes anymore and I don't have, I'm not having parties and I don't have big family gatherings anyway, but the people who are getting destroyed, the restaurant owners, I mean, I don't know if you heard some of the interviews with the people in LA who prepared to have all this outdoor dining. And then two days later, Newsom said no dining at all, closed them up. And the minute he did that, you know, hundreds of restaurants went under, out of business, people's lives, livelihood gone. And they, the guy who did it to him had a dinner for 22 last week at the French Laundry, a dinner that cost $15,000. He had no mask, no social distancing. So they know he doesn't really mean what he says. They know he doesn't think what they're doing is dangerous or going to kill anybody. He just does it anyway because he's a, a, a big government tyrant and they have to live with the consequences. It's brutal. And they know if they don't do what they're told, like 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 Jews in Brooklyn, if they don't do what they're told, Cuomo will send in the stormtroopers and kick in their door. They know it. And they know, I don't know if you saw that guy with Tucker last night, the guy Rick Savage in Maine who owns the restaurant, Sunday River Brewing Company. His life has been destroyed because he wanted to keep his restaurant open the governor, who's in, in vindictive, evil woman, has set to, out to destroy his life. And and the guy's got, like he said, I think 65 employees. And over Christmas, they're ordering him, you know, to shut down and send all these home and, and, and put all these people on the unemployment line. You think no Newsom is, does Newsom sit in his office going, where's Miami? How come I don't get an enemy? I've done everything he did, and I've done it harder, more nonsensically. And I even said to the president, I don't think you know what you're talking about in climate change. Like, what does he got to do to get an enemy? It's a good question. They're all they're all looking for enemy. But you know what? Because they're Democrats, they're going to get reelected. It's insane. It's insane. But, oh, by the way, we're going to get into more of this with our special uh, weekend guest. We have a really good, I think, a really good uh, interview coming up. Uh Post it tomorrow, I think, right, Colin? Yeah, I'll po- yeah, we'll be up by midnight tonight. So if midnight tonight for your listening pleasure, if your yep. uh, relatives, if you're uh, or, or if you're trapped at home trying to be safe for Thanksgiving, we uh, sat down with Janice Dean, who's uh, as most people know, whose in-laws were killed by uh, Andrew Cuomo, and has dedicated her life to holding him accountable, holding his feet to the fire. She's done a brilliant job. I'm a huge fan, and uh, 
we talk all about it and she's great. She's just great. She just flat out tells you this, what this Cuomo did was, you know, she's actually on TV. Did she get an Emmy, Jerry? Has she gotten an Emmy for this question. year? And she has to sit there all, and she's just one of tens of thousands of uh, grieving family members who know what Cuomo did to their parents and grandparents. And she has to sit and watch him get an Emmy, write a book, yuck it up with Billy Joel or Robert De Niro or, or Chris Cuomo every day. The, he just keeps sticking it in, sticking the knife in, in the back, even harder and twisting it. It's brutal, but she's not going to let him get away with it. She's done a great job of, uh, enlightening people, uh, making people aware of what a scumbag Andrew Cuomo is. And she sat down with us and I think, and she's great too, because she's a TV weather person who's good on TV, very articulate, very, uh, telegenic. So she's doing a brilliant job and she took some time to sit down with us. We'll put that out tomorrow for your, uh, weekend podcast listening. But today VB made his debut. Um, Jerry, I don't got to go. I'm good. I can, we can keep doing this for hours. I got nowhere to be. No, we got to go. People, we don't want to go too long. We know how this works. No, we, we got enough. We got enough. Much, much too long. We know we'll, uh, I don't know. We'll get, do a deep dive into your Falcons or something else next time that you want to do. Um, but thanks for a uh, look at him with his Falcons. Uh, just quickly, why did you become a Falcons fan? What was the reason? Jerry Glanville. I wish he was still there. I want him back again. Jerry, Bring back Jerry Glanville. Jerry Glanville made you a – is he still He was around? in the XFL this year, Jerry. Yeah, That's he right. was the, He was a defensive coordinator in the XFL. I love it. Oh, all right. And well, his team was winless, by the way. They got smoked. Good luck to your uh, dirty birds. Uh, but um, <laughs> All right, BB, thanks. We'll do it again. That is VB making his Callahan podcast debut. How do you think it went, Cullinane? VB is the best. It went. It went well, and he's on the screen still, so I can't bury him. But uh, every, yeah. maybe off of it. Maybe off of it. <laughs> now, every single commenter on Twitter or on uh, Facebook is going to say, "VB's so much better than Reamer. Why do you ever get rid of Reamer? We love better than Shattuck. Oh, better than Shattuck. I don't own chickens. You could come on here and make you know fart noises with your armpit, <laughs> and people would say you're better than Reamer. They just don't. They, they somehow. Seems like I'm the only one that likes Reamer, but we'll, we'll talk about that another day. Thank you, VB, and thanks to everybody, all our uh, supporters, all our sponsors, um, Shake Concrete and Allied Paving at DCU and Flagship. Uh, this is a day to be thankful, Cullinane, and I am thankful for these people for hanging with us, for supporting us, sponsoring us for you know almost a year now. It's been great. You can thank you, know, you can support us by supporting them. We appreciate it. These are great companies and great people who don't, you know, buckle when they get a phone call saying, "Hey, I heard on the Callahan podcast they said something mean about this uh, 4-year-old transgender kid on HBO uh, who's uh, now on HBO with her with her screwed up mother." Um, you know, we could talk about things like that. You can't do that on the radio anymore, but you can do it here because we have sponsors with spines and we appreciate every single one of them. And we wish them all a great Thanksgiving. Anything else, Cullinane? Yeah, I don't, I don't want to get you going again. And I know it's not necessarily the, the restaurant industry, but I do kind of, I am thinking of, you know, whether it's the high school football coach who's coached for 40 years and maybe he was planning retirement and he had no idea that it was going to be, you know, his last game was last year. Uh, it just it just all around sucks. So it's brutal. I those people, it's brutal. I'm, yeah, trust yeah. me, my my son had his football season canceled, and it was devastating. It is selfish. These teachers unions are just diabolical. What they did to the kids. You know what they could have done easily? 
it you know made them feel good. They could have played three games, three games, four games. The seniors would have had some had had a true send off. They could have had some you know had some fun, played some games. They could have people could have distanced themselves in the in the stands or on the sideline. They didn't have to stand together. Could have worn their mask. It could have been done easily the way it was done all over the country. The way it was done in you know, division one in college, the NFL, if, if you have an outbreak, maybe you cancel a game or postpone a game. Other than that, you play, they could have done it. These people, these government, these, these hacks and these unions thugs are, they're just despicable people who do not care that they're ruining children's lives. And I think it's going to get you know worse. It's going to get worse. After right. I was going to say it's an ongoing theme and it's not going away. It's not there. going away. They're going to, they're coming for Christmas. BB. I hate to break it to you. Uh, Prepare your kids. They are coming for Christmas. But uh, let's not that let them ruin our Thanksgiving yet. If you're in Pennsylvania, we got a lot of listeners in Pennsylvania. You got like a couple of hours left before you got to get to the Packers store, but make it to the Packers store. Hurry up. Don't let them you're, you're a rookie. If you're still waiting to get your booze for Thanksgiving right now, and this is like you're, when you're driving, right? You can't, You don't let your, uh, your gas tank get under half a tank. It's the same thing with booze. I mean, you got to be restocking as you see that it's That's getting. true. It's really not that hard. You know they're going to close at noon. Just get there before noon and buy some extra. It's not yeah. that hard. I'm with it's you. Not, but, uh, yeah. All right. Uh, once again, we uh, talked to Janice Dean for a weekend Callahan podcast. So check that out tomorrow or Friday or Saturday or Sunday. Uh, but uh, and, and, and let us know what you think. We appreciate it. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody. I'm Jerry Callahan. This is the Callahan podcast. And we will talk to you again soon. Why am I stopping? No one else stops. I don't. Can I go home? The Jerry Callahan Podcast.